The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. James, I got my eyes on a prospect myself this morning. I don't know if he's a major league prospect, maybe down the road, maybe as a reliever, but Young Ha Lee for the Doosan Bears. I got up early this morning to watch. My sleep schedule's been thrown off a bit, but I'm enjoying the KBO. Um, it's a lot of fun. And who's the guy you were touting? In the old Slack message room the other day, uh, Roberto Ramos. Roberto Ramos. Who, yeah, he was he was playing in that game I watched. I just couldn't couldn't remember his name. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that I I would have if I was a rebuilding club, I would have popped him in the Rule Five draft. Uh, was in the Rocky system. Was pretty firmly blocked there. But I mean, I think he's at least ready to. You know, at least try to handle the strong side of a platoon at first base, but they left him unprotected. He didn't get drafted in the Rule Five, and so uh, KBO came calling. I I think he's going to have a, a pretty monster season there. I mean, he's 
you know, people seem to think the KBO is kind of sort of in between double AA, A, triple A, or, or maybe maybe closer to triple A. But I mean, he he totally handled triple A last year, so I think he'll he'll be in for a good year there. Yeah, he looked like a big intimidating masher. Like, yeah, he looks like he would just do. And they said that he just mashes righties and a lot of crafty lefties over there in the KBO that he's hoping to, you know, just seeing so many of them that that will help his game against the lefties. So, uh, yeah, he looks like a big in- intimidating guy. I forget who the, I think it was, um, I forget who the announcer was, but he comped him to, I think, like Russell Brannion, some, I don't know, just a big <laughs> intimidating yeah. masher. So well, some fun players over there, and I'm enjoying some of that. Young Ha Lee, I don't know if he's got the stuff, but yeah, I think he touched 93 and, uh, you know, not a lot of K's, but over the top delivery looks pretty good. And, uh, I know he's like 22, so he's apparently one of the top dogs there on the, on the rise in the KBO. James, what's new with you? I know you got the amateur board, which is going to be the subject of this show, but what else you got going on, uh, over the last week? What's new? Really just that. I, I mean, I, that's kind of what I've been working on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, I had a, I had a great time on, uh, this past Friday night, doing the the prospects live MLB mock draft, that was that was just a ton of fun. Um, I, I would definitely recommend if if you weren't able to check that out Friday night in real time, certainly understandable. But I, I think they have a, a YouTube video of the entire thing up. Uh, Ralph and Matt Thompson and Eddie Almaguer did a really awesome job with that. I mean, I thought it was way better than the the real MLB draft show. Um, I mean, the the, anal- the analysis was honestly better. I think the the hosting was better. Uh, it was more entertaining. So if you if you care at all about the draft, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, I only caught a little bit, but I want to go back and check it out. I know it's available on YouTube, uh, the full thing. So I want to watch and catch up. But that sounded fun. And we had Ralph Lifshitz on the show on XM last week. So if you missed that, check it out. I know it's still up. And uh, tomorrow, or I guess it would be Friday on the show, we're having uh, Chris Welsh, correct? Yes, yes. Chris is going to come on, and I think we're going to initially just talk about some prospects and, you know, whether or not we think they're going to, or like how they'll be impacted by a, a shortened season, which guys we might see, maybe any surprises that he's on the lookout for, and then uh, we'll probably dive into a little bit of draft stuff as well. Very nice. Well, these amateur rankings that you have, uh, Rotowire's first ever set of amateur rankings are really, really cool. And not only are they ranked like a top 100, but you provided a, a description of their skill set and their, you know, their physical you know, description of, of the player. Uh, where they're from and their age, so positions as well, not just one. So really, a thorough preview of the upcoming draft, which we is you know we still expect that to be in June. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that that's going to move ahead as planned. Very nice. Well, this is cool, and uh, I just want to know, like, how how do you start on something like this? Because I honestly, this is a big glaring hole for me. I wait until they get in, and then I wait for you to <laughs> tell me who's good. Then maybe I'll, I'll figure out who's good uh, on my own when they get to the majors. But how do you start on an, analyzing these guys who we haven't seen at a professional level yet? Well, it's it's usually a blind spot for me uh, around the. Well, I guess I guess this point in the calendar, I'm I'm digging into it. Uh, but you know, around March, April, the amateur side of thing is usually a, a pretty big blind spot for me as well, just because I I just don't have time. I mean. Uh, you and I do this 
full time and a lot more goes into the job during a normal uh, normal March, normal April than just ranking prospects. So uh, I don't usually have time to, to get into it until around now, but uh, that's all I've been doing over the past uh, probably like three weeks. And so just, you know, starting on, uh, you know, some sources that I trust, uh, watching a ton of video, uh, you know, kind of cross-checking uh, reports on guys, um, but yeah, I mean, just a, a ton of video, a ton of kind of comparing guys, contrasting guys. And, you know, I, I moved some guys around a decent amount throughout the process. It, it was, you know, the order, like I tweeted sort of a, a screenshot of what I was kind of working with, with sort of an initial top 10 uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and that's sort of changed a little bit since then, not at the very top, uh, of course, but, um, you know, really just doing a good 20, 30 minutes deep dive on, on all these guys. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, I, my personal board goes way past a hundred, but I wanted to get about 150, 160 deep just to make sure I had all my bases covered before going with the, uh, the final 100. So, uh, it was a lot of just work, but it was a lot of fun too. Yeah. Just a <laughs> slacker. No, <laughs> this is awesome, James. <laughs> I uh, love it, man. Really appreciate the hard work. It was a very cool addition to the site. And I, you mentioned that about video, and I think maybe that's you know one obvious thing that I just don't see with these guys until draft day usually. Uh, but that Prospects Live show had video pretty much all the guys taken, right? I mean, that's one of the main reasons I want to go back and watch that is to see the video. I mean, maybe you could do a YouTube search for these guys, but you don't know if you're looking at the right Austin Wells, you know. <laughs> You may be looking at the wrong one. Uh, but to actually have video and to get eyes on these guys ahead of time is big. And uh, is that who you rely mostly on for video is Prospects One or Prospects Live? Uh, I mean, they they do great work. Uh, you know, Perfect Game does great work. There, it kind of depends on which type of – like if we're talking about college guys, uh, sure. you can watch games on like ESPN Plus. I mean, there's, there's tons of video on – on all the college guys, uh, the amateur guys you kind of have to rely on like, yeah, like prospects live does a great job. Uh, perfect game. Um, the, uh, baseball America internet. probably has some videos. I'm sure. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Baseball America, baseball America does a good job too. Um, the international guys, you're not working with nearly as much video and you definitely don't have any stats to go on, but, uh, I mean, I, I've been in, analyzing the sixteen-year-old uh, guys for long enough that I, I think I know what to look for. I mean, when you see a an amazing swing, an amazing physical tool set, I mean, you kind of know it when you see it, um, and you can kind of get a sense too of like just how how far along certain guys are. Uh, there's there's not as much information on the international guys as we like, but I mean, I think if you ignore that section of the the amateur market uh it's it's at your own peril at this point i mean you look at not just my rankings but really any set of of prospect rankings the top 20 top 25s just heavily populated with guys that come from the international side and i think those guys are getting more and more high level instruction uh earlier on so i think they're they're more ready to contribute when they get into pro ball than they they were maybe 10 years ago so i think that that's 
a necessary aspect of this. I know there's probably some people that that kind of rubs them the wrong way to group the 16 year olds in with the 18 year olds and the 21 year olds. But I mean, that's, that's where a lot of the superstars come from, especially on the position player side. I, I know a lot of teams, uh, try to build position players through the international market and pitching through the draft. That's that's how I would do it, and so that's why you got to pay attention to that that part of the market. Yeah, and so the board is color coded by you know, stateside and in, in the the foreign players, right? Like the the purple obviously represents players in the international market. Um, yeah, this is really a handy tool, and uh, we talked last week about kind of the overall player pool for the upcoming first year player draft. And kind of a general discussion of of the strengths of the class, but and I think during the discussion we did touch on Spencer Torkelson. But do you feel like he's kind of head and shoulders above the rest? Like, is he the clear number one, or is there not very uh, a very big gap between Torkelson and the names right behind him? Um, I think he's the clear number one, but to me, the the bigger sort of separation is the top three. Like, I think. I think Spencer Torkelson, the first baseman from Arizona State, Austin Martin, uh, multi-position player from Vanderbilt, and then Nick Gonzalez, the second baseman from New Mexico State. I think that's where the very, very clear line is to me. Like you can draw a line right under Nick Gonzalez, and then there's it's kind of a wild west after those three, in my opinion. Like you could have any. I mean, you'd probably argue like any dozen guys could be the number four guy, really. Uh, so I think. Torkelson's the clear top guy, but I think more more clearly those three are the clear top three. Very nice. And you say here that Torkelson is one of the best college hitters in recent memory, middle of the order masher in the future, righty-righty first baseman. You sound very confident that he's going to be a fantasy stud. Uh, I'd, I'd assume speed not a, a factor in his game as a first baseman, but uh, still enough here to carry him as a, a fantasy star. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't expect to get speed from first baseman, so that's that's hardly a, a knock on him. Uh, someone asked me on Twitter uh, this morning if I would take him or Dylan Carlson. Uh, they said ignore proximity, but you know you can't really ignore proximity. In my opinion, like yeah, and you've proven you, what that like, at certain levels, yeah, it's. When a guy, when a guy's one of the best hitters in big league camp, uh, I mean it, that that matters. Um, I don't know how you can really ignore that. Uh, but I, I said I'd take Carlson just because I think Carlson and Torkelson probably similar hit tools. Carlson's going to chip in with his legs. He's a switch hitter. He's going to be able to play all over the outfield. Uh, Torkelson definitely more power potential. But I mean you can't. You can't just kind of dismiss the fact that a guy has sort of mastered the entire minor leagues. And while we expect Torkelson to do that and probably do it pretty quickly, uh, you know, Carlson's done it. And Austin Martin, you say here, may have an 80-grade hit tool. If everything, you know, comes together, he develops as expected. What do the other skills and the tools look like with Martin? Yeah, he's... It's it's really it starts with the hit tool for sure. Uh, I think he's going to contribute a bit on the bases. You know, maybe maybe could be a twenty twenty guy if if everything breaks right. Uh, probably going to steal more bases than home runs in his early years, but eventually he's probably just a, a really really solid number two hitter who 
helps you in all five categories. Uh, but batting average is really going to be his his top category for sure. Very nice. I don't want to give away too much with that prospects live mock draft from last weekend. I want you all to go check it out for yourselves on YouTube. But I want you to tell us all, James, who did you take as the Milwaukee Brewers? Did you get your guy? <clears throat> um. <laughs> well, I didn't really. So I've wanted Ed Howard the best prep shortstop in the class. I knew I wasn't going to get him, um, but he was my quote-unquote guy. Uh, definitely did not get him. Didn't expect to. And then there was just there was a handful of guys that I knew I, I knew I was going to get somebody in my top 12 or so, just because there's so many varying opinions outside of the top 4 or 5. Uh, I ended up getting Pete Crow Armstrong. He's a prep outfielder from California. I think he's possibly a better real life prospect than a fantasy one and i think he's a guy that david stearns and the brewers would be very attracted to because he's an up the middle player who's going to add a ton of value with the glove a guy that could be a plus center fielder with a plus arm and there are questions about the hit tool but there you know there was a time when he was considered one of the best pure hitters in this class and if he hits he could be a star because of the the rest of his tools i mean he, he could be a plus runner uh could be a 2020 guy uh, that that provides a ton of value defensively and to me getting him with the 20th pick was was a pretty good bargain but i, I think one theme of this draft uh this this prospect live draft was i think everyone thought they were getting bargains and that's what i mean by kind of just the diverging opinions like everyone was kind of coming on and explaining their picks and like well man we had him a lot higher than this on our board and and i feel like that was sort of the case with with every single team that was drafting because uh beauty's in the eye of the beholder obviously and there's just so many diverging opinions outside of those top few guys that you're kind of uh, no matter what, you're going to get a guy that you really like. And kind of relating to that, you mentioned that you were hoping to get Ed Howard. You have him fourth on your board. Where did he go? Like, how much higher are you, are you having him four than the pack? Uh, I think he went top ten, if okay. uh, if I'm not mistaken. And and that's that's right. I mean, he he should. He's definitely going to stick at shortstop. And the reason I have him fourth is because I'm just. I'm most confident in him being an impact hitter among the of all the the prep guys. Like he might not have the the best pure hit tool. He might not have the most raw power. Uh, it's not not the fastest of the of all those guys. But I think when you kind of factor everything in, I think the package is is probably the best. And the fact that you know he's gonna uh, stick at a at a position up the middle. Um, that should allow him to, to kind of move a little bit quicker and uh, should kind of guarantee him playing time when he is big league ready. So, um, you know, I think you could, you could go any number of ways in terms of who you wanted to rank as the, the fourth best fantasy prospect from this class. But I think Howard, I mean, he's just got such a pretty swing. I mean, he, he's clearly going to grow into, uh, I, I think he's going to grow into plus power. Um, and so, to me, it's him, but I mean, you could you could go any number of ways, which is why, uh, like I said at the top, it's it's really those top three guys, and I I don't think you want to have the fourth pick in a first year player draft uh, for fantasy, unless unless you're in one where somebody kind of gets a little crazy with one of these prep guys, and maybe Nick Gonzalez slides you at four. Um, 
but I, I just feel the most comfortable with that Howard skill set. Nice. And right behind him, Zach Veen, uh, big kid, 6'5", 200 uh, out of Florida. And you say he's still adding to that frame. Yeah, he's uh, he's still got a pretty projectable frame. Um, he's gonna, you know, he's probably gonna strike out over twenty percent of the time. Um, that's kind of to be expected when you're six five. But he's got a. He's yeah, you still can't got have it all six five dudes. Right, right. You can't have <laughs> yeah. Everything in the world, you got to scale a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but he, but he's a, uh, he's got a good approach. Like he. he he can recognize balls and strikes, so I think he'll get on base at a high clip. And you know, he's a he's a decent athlete. He's he's probably going to stick in center field. So um, I think the the power potential with him is the top selling tool. But I think he'll he'll have a high enough OVP where he'll be hitting in the middle of the lineup. And Asa Lacy, I'm going to go with Asa, but you can correct me if I'm mistaken. We talked about this being a good class for college arms. He's your top college arm, the lefty. Is there much separating him or not really? I think there's, I think he's the clear guy for fantasy. I think that you could argue it's pretty close between him and some other guys from a real life standpoint, but his strikeout upside just kind of blows away uh, the other guys. And especially when you factor in that he's a, he's a six, four lefty with the uh, mid to upper nineties, um, double plus slider. He's got, some people don't like his delivery. Like there's a lot of people kind of predicting an injury for him because they don't like his delivery. In my experience, I think that that type of analysis can be pretty overblown. You know, the, the main things I look for when I'm, when I'm trying to analyze guys that are high risk for injury is just what's your velocity and do you have a recent history of arm trouble? Uh, those are the two biggest predictors in my opinion. And yes, he throws hard, but all the guys that you would rank as the top pitcher in this class throw hard. So, uh, you're not going to ding a guy because he, a college guy that's just dominated in college because he throws hard and, um, you know, I think he's the one that has the the chance to be like a, a top 10 fantasy starter, uh, that you, you don't really have to squint too hard to see that. Uh, so he's my top guy for fantasy. I know that some people think it's pretty close between him and Emerson Hancock, but I, I just don't say, see that same type of ceiling with Hancock. Looks like your top international player from this class is Christian Hernandez. I like how you included the rumored you know, the rumored, uh, what do you call this, a signing bonus. Uh, this is very cool. And it, he's a little bit below uh, Pedro Pineda, but you like Christian Hernandez more. Yeah, you do, you don't want to get too caught up in what they are signing for. It, it's good to know. Like, I mean, it, it definitely matters whether a guy is going to get seven figures or mid-six figures. But, um, you know, these these bonuses are agreed to well before uh this point in the calendar so um yeah he, he's gonna get around 3.5 mil from the cubs uh per baseball america uh it's tough it's tough for me to you know with him uh carlos coleman coleman Ares, who's uh, linked to the rays and wilman diaz uh, who's linked to the dodgers i think you can make a case for any of those three being the top international guy uh Hernandez 
I like I like the body quite a bit. Six two, one seventy five. Uh, clearly going to be uh, a power hitter, and I think he's going to probably be a a good batting average guy as well. Um, I think he's probably going to maintain at least above average speed into his into his twenties. Um, so that's that's a mark in his favor as well. Not so sure where he's going to end up defensively. You know, six two, one seventy five as a sixteen year old. Some chance he could end up in center field, maybe third base, um, but we don't really care where he ends up. He, I think it's it's pretty safe to say he's not going to outgrow, like he's not going to just balloon and be a be a guy that's bottom of the defensive spectrum. So um, I think you could take your pick with those three international guys, but uh, gave him the slight edge. Nice, and you know I see here linked to Tampa Bay, linked to the Dodgers, linked to Oakland. I guess the Cubs too, but you know those are smart teams. At least the first three I mentioned, and I just wonder. It seems like these are the, always the teams that are in this pool for these players too. And it's like you have success. They're spending here. It doesn't. You know, this isn't a lot of money to these organizations. I know there's a fixed limit on how much they can spend, but I just wonder. It seems like they have a very clear edge by finding these players and paying up for them. I wonder why other clubs don't make it a priority this international market well it it takes several years to even get your footing uh in these countries to the point where you can sign the top guys like um because they you know that new, so young right yeah i mean yeah. They, they pretty much all commit when they're like 14 mm-hmm. and you you have to build up a good relationship with the trainers in latin america like you can't just like show up and like, cause, cause like you said, they all have a fixed limit on how much they can spend. So a team like, uh, like the Orioles, basically they've been just putting so many resources into their international outfit because when they, when this last regime took over, they just had nothing over there. And so it takes yeah. three, four years before you can start signing legitimate seven figure guys. And yeah, they were famous these, for like trading away all their money, right. international money, yeah, for many years. Yeah, so you you get these guys by building relationships with the trainers, by kind of demonstrating that you're capable of developing these guys. Um, so you can't just show up out of the blue and start signing the top guys. And the smartest teams are the ones that had invested heavily in the international market a long time ago. So the Dodgers have been there forever. The Rays. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that the smarter teams are the ones that are, are bringing home the big prizes there. Yeah, hopefully somebody in the Cincinnati Reds organization listening to the pod. Um, hey, you, dude, well, I'm sure they're, I, they're, uh, they're sure they've, they've started getting a foothold, right? I have, um, so I have Malvin Valdez I have at, uh, 48, uh, he's going to the Reds and then, um, Nice. Oh, there's another guy. Um, plus plus runner and plus power. All right. Ariel Almonte at uh, 69. He's going to the Reds too. So you got a couple guys, a couple, yeah, couple high upside guys. I know it's you know hard to land those top dogs, but I just yeah always seen the Rays, Dodgers, A's. It seems like and I mean good on them um, getting out ahead and, and getting that good relationship built in those countries. It's just. Uh, yeah, you'd you would think there'd be more teams in in the hunt for these players. You'd see some of them signing with other other clubs that you don't really see those international guys landing with. 
Uh, James, do you want to continue on? I know you have a new article on the site as well. Um, I want to touch on that, but any other thoughts on the amateur rankings? Um, I will say, uh, so the, the pitcher, I think, from this this uh, draft class who is kind of my guy. I mean, like, everyone likes uh, Lacey, Hancock, uh, Max Meyer, Reed Detmers. Uh, the guy that I sort of expect that I'll be higher on than most people is Chris McMahon, who's a 6'2 righty from Miami. Uh, I think he's got three-plus pitches, really improved his command this spring. And a uh, friend of the show, Melissa Lockard, got him uh, shortly after I selected Pete Crow Armstrong. And then I ended up taking two more prep bats. I won't, I won't necessarily give that away, but... Uh, at the end of the draft, I ended up with three prep hitters. And so I had a little bit of remorse that I didn't go McMahon over Crow Armstrong just because, you know, from a real life standpoint, a potential number two starter who can move quickly. I think that's, that's a nice thing to have. And then I end up getting two more prep hitters, which is, which is a pretty risky subset of prospects. So some, some mild regret there. Uh, as much as I like Crow Armstrong, you just you never know how much these guys are going to hit, and obviously you don't know if McMahon's going to stay healthy. But I thought that was a great pick by Melissa to Oakland in the mid twenties of that draft, and I'm, I'm a huge McMahon fan. No relation, I assume, to any of the uh, famous McMahon. <laughs> none, none of your, none, none, yeah, none of your, none of your McMahon. No, no, not Ryan, not Vince, not Shane. No, Stephanie, no. no. Okay, Linda, no. <laughs> All right. um, James, your latest article, continuing on with the Ranking Dilemmas series. So this has been going on for a while. I highly recommend going checking out the full, uh, you know, the full catalog, I guess you could call it, of these articles. Um, and this is players, prospects in the 151 to 175 range. Ian Anderson, a, a pretty obvious follower right at the top. Uh, you've soured on him over the last calendar years. So, what is it about Ian Anderson that has kind of led you to back off? Yeah, he was he was getting by on reputation in most rankings all all throughout 2019, including mine. And when I wrote him up for the magazine, I was just like, "Man, uh, gonna have to drop this guy quite a bit." Uh, he just he's always walked too many guys and I know he's young. He's still 22, but he just, he just always walks over 10% of the batters he faces pretty much. Uh, the, the secondary stuff and the command both seem to regress a little bit last season. And so, you know, you like the fastball, the the frame, like he's got that, he's got that six, three, like one eighty five frame that, that, that you love to see in a, in a young pitching prospect, but um, there's just, there's too many holes in his uh, attack at this point to me. I mean, I think the good is, or the, the bad is sort of starting to outweigh the good with him. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded at some point soon. I, I think that they would have certainly included him in like a Chris Bryant trade uh, if, if that had been available to them. Um, but I'm I'm not sold that he makes it as a starter, and yeah, I just I'm, I've soured on him quite a bit. And Patrick Sandoval, I'm a little surprised he hasn't or he didn't come up in more of our conversations 
in the quote unquote preseason, you know, the February through March. Uh, just because he's fairly high on your list here, and we didn't talk about him much for redraft. Uh, were you on him for redraft? Or did you end up getting him in any leagues? Um, I got him. I think I got him in all my best balls. Okay. Um, I think he was to me. He was prior to the shutdown. I think he was kind of a borderline guy, even in even in fifteen team uh, redrafts. And he was he was definitely a borderline guy before Griffin Canning went down mm-hmm. uh, because you know we weren't really sure about the role. But I think now regardless of whether he is officially in the rotation or not, when, when things start back up, I think he will get a chance to sort of pitch like a starting pitcher for the, for the halos, uh, just given their, their lack of depth. Uh, and yeah, I, I think he's, he's kind of been slept on um, another guy that he walks too many guys, but uh, I like his secondaries. Um, you know, he's, he's always missed bats. Um, he's got a, plus change up he's got a curveball that i think could be a another plus pitch eventually so the, the command's an issue but he's a lefty he's got pretty good size he throws like 93 which is just fine for a lefty um so I, I think he could be kind of a borderline number three starter if it all breaks right so yeah i think he's he's pretty solid very nice you know i'd always look at his page and i never saw a whole lot to love but a lot of swing and miss. A lot of the swing strike rates have always been really strong. I'm noticing Fangraphs has swing strike right now in the minors. Um, did they always have that? They couldn't have. Um, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean the swing strike rate has pretty much never been below like 13 percent for him. So um, yes, there is more to like here than I. You just see at a glance. You know, if you just look at it, it's like yeah, 93. You know. That either world is mostly fastball change, but you say that changeup is plus. Uh, so yeah, I gotta I gotta put Patrick Sandoval back under the microscope myself. Zach McKinstry was kind of a nobody before, and he's he's fairly old, uh, twenty five years old, and in a pretty crowded system here in L.A. But you think Zach McKinstry could break through? I'm I'm a big believer in him. I, I think he's a a definite big leaguer to me. Uh, you know, he there, there's really you can't really nitpick him uh, other than his age and his lack of pedigree, and that that matters. I mean, it matters that he's 25, uh, but I mean everything else just screams big leaguer. I mean, he can play all over the field. He uses the whole field. He doesn't strike out too much. Um, I just I, I like the bat a lot, and the reason why I said I might be too low on him is that he's down here because of his situation. He's not down here because of his skill. Like if he was in a rebuilding organization, I would probably have him uh, just inside the top 100. So all it would really take is a trade, and he's just getting vaulted up these rankings. So um, I, I love the player, but you know when we when we can't even be assured that the number two prospect in baseball is going to get every day at bats with the Dodgers. It's hard to see an avenue for McKinstry to break through. Yeah. And Daz Cameron kind of in a similar boat where, you know, we didn't talk about him much for redraft. Um, and now with the delayed, I mean, we didn't talk about him before now with the delayed season, I have a hard time seeing Daz Cameron coming up. Uh, maybe if, you know, like with their pitchers, they don't want him to stagnate, but is Daz Cameron even truly ready? Do you think? No, uh, 
but he's still, I think he's still 22. And so, um, you know, I, I just think he had just such a terrible relationship with Doug Minkiewicz last year, who was the, you know, that was his manager at AAA for a couple seasons and they ended up firing Minkiewicz after the season. Really? Um, Bad blood? Well, he's just, he's not a, he's just not a, he's not a player's manager. Like he's just one of those old school hard ass guys. Um, and I, I think that a new voice could possibly help him. And he, you know, he was so good at double a, uh, and he's still 22. I don't want to give up on him uh, completely, which is why he's still in the top 200, but you know, not a ton that you can point to at triple a that, that gives you much, uh, much to be excited about. Although he did, he did walk a decent amount. So, um, yeah, there might be something there and, and yeah, he's going to, he's going to be a power speed guy if it all comes together. So definitely going to get an opportunity with the Tigers. I mean, uh, he, he's going to be one of their best defensive outfielders. I know, I know Jacoby Jones is actually kind of surprisingly good out there, but, uh, I definitely think Daz Cameron gets a, a pretty long look, like kind of a Lewis Brinson level long look whenever they think he's ready. And here's maybe the best name in all of baseball. Uh, not just affiliated baseball, but Brainer Bonacci, uh, <laughs> Bonacci. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a French French pronunciation for the first name. I have no idea. But uh, this looks like a, an eighty grade name here with Bonacci. Uh, what can you tell us about him? He went from off the sheet, off of your top four hundred to firmly inside the top two hundred. Yeah, you know he was a guy that. Uh, he got off. He was ranked earlier in the the summer, um, and then he, he cooled off over I think his final month or so in the DSL. And you just it's it's tough to know what what kind of tools these guys are bringing to the table, especially with, with a guy like Bonacci, who's not a, a high profile international signing. Um, but uh, reports start coming out after the season that he's he's kind of a quick twitch guy I know he's only five nine so i wasn't sure if he was just kind of one of those slappy guys um that would just kind of do okay in a in a level like the dsl and then kind of crumble when he came stateside but um reportedly he's a plus runner good defensive shortstop a guy that's probably going to stick there and really good bat to ball skills and uh, a quick, quick enough bat that I think he will grow into some pop as well. So I think there's, there's a lot to like there. Uh, he's really young. He's one of the younger guys from last year's J2 class. Uh, so I think that that's, you, you can kind of excuse the the slow finish to the season for him uh, just because of, of how young he was and that being kind of his first exposure to that type of a schedule. But um, I think he's one of the better prospects in the Red Sox system already. It's got to be Brainer, right? Or, <laughs> it can't be Brainer. Um, <laughs> we'll figure out someday, I guess. Well, some, someday we'll know. Hopefully. Someday we'll know. Uh, I do appreciate, obviously, you know the the sources we get on that. Obviously, Baseball Reference, the best one. Want to get those right, but um takes time to learn sometimes and figure them out <laughs> because they're not – the pronunciation is not publicly available most of the time until they reach the bigs. But, James, great stuff, as always. com slash pod to check out 10 Days on Us. Check out the article. Check out our KBO coverage if you want. Check out James's amateur board, which is now up, his updated top 400. 
Uh, James, on to the hip hop draft. Last week, did you take? You took uh, in the eleventh round, Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dog. Yeah, I took Lauren Hill. So you are up, I believe, at the eleven twelve turn. Nope, nope you're up. You're oh, up. that's right. You took Snoop, then I took Lauren Hill. Okay, so this one I know you. I wouldn't have to take for a long time, James. Uh, but I'm doing it anyway because I'm not going to disrespect him any longer. <laughs> and that's E40. No way. LA West Coast spot with Fonzarelli. What a uh, reach. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> and the song I'm picking is called Da Bumble. Duh, and then B-U-M-B-L-E. Off in a major way. And if you can listen to Da Bumble and still hate on E40... I don't know what to tell you. That's on you, James. I'm looking at you. Um, no, I, I uh, kid, obviously. But I I was in that same boat with E-40 when I was younger. I didn't really get it. I was like, this guy's just like mumble talking. I don't know what, what he's doing. Um, but I grew in a, a fondness for E-40. 40 water. And <laughs> I really dig his flow. I It isn't for everyone. It takes some getting used to. I get that. But I... I really gets sickened to my stomach seeing the E-40 hate on Twitter. Um, so I felt like he needed to go here. And I still have a West Coast spot here open for another sleeper, who I know I don't have to take for for a while. But E-40 was my top name on the board, and I'm not going to let him just sit there. It's like having a guy sitting in the waiting room at the live you know, NFL draft or something. You just you feel bad for a guy after a while. Well, I I didn't invite him to the green room. That must have been you. Yeah, he's been sitting there for a while just waiting for that phone call. And now, Fonzarelli, you can come home to the team. All right. Well, yeah, you definitely didn't need to take him there, but I, I respect you doing your doing your guys solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen to the right, bumble well, and get back to me. Okay. <laughs> um, so... You diversified your portfolio last week with uh, Lauren Hill, which was a, was a great pick. And I'm going to do the same this week. Uh, I'm going to fill my third and final south spot. Uh, currently, I have uh, Lil Wayne. Uh, we took in fourth round. Scarface, we took in the ninth round. I'm going to take Missy Elliott in the twelfth round. Um, you know, Carolina, I... I think that counts as the South. Um, yeah, and good. my song is going to be The Rain, Super mm. Duper Fly, off of her debut album. Uh, Missy, you know, not only one of the, the best performers uh, in hip-hop, but really one of the more kind of creative, I think, artists. and Still relevant uh, to this day, too. I mean, she's... Very much still a star today. Well, yeah, I mean, she she was kind of a, I mean, she's kind of a godfather of of uh, you know women's hip hop. Uh, certainly, that the movement out there in the Carolinas with Timbaland and um, yeah, I think I think she's she's just great. So uh, gonna fill up that that South spot. At South is kind of a you know once you once you got under 3000 i was kind of penciling them in and, and i'm kind of running out of people that i that i feel really good about slotting in there so uh easy call to go with missy this week yeah i i've made the case that dirty south is kind of like the shortstop position i feel i still feel that way but you, that means the threshold is raised so you got to get people who you really feel good about 
in those spots. Um, I think Missy did a, a song with the Hot Boys once too. Oh yeah, at least with Juvie, and I think there was a, a remix with BG and the entire Hot Boys crew. But yeah, I, I liked. I, I, I admit, I hated on Missy for a little bit. Not hated, but you know, I kind of was not feeling her when she first came on the scene. But another one where you just grow to appreciate their style, their unique characteristics and abilities. So I like Missy. I like that pick. Nice. Yeah. I mean, they they don't come around like that very often. Yeah, that's so true. James, always a pleasure. Anything else on your mind? Um, Looking forward to talking with Chris Welsh, Chris Welsh tomorrow, but anything else you want to mention? Um, Earlier this week, I did a podcast on the Broadwire NBA feed with Nick Whalen and Alex Barutha. Uh, It was Charles Barkley's, uh, legendary, I think it was 54 point game um, in a playoff series against the Golden State Warriors rookie year, Chris Weber in that game as well. So uh, definitely check that out if you're an NBA fan. MJ keeps cracking me up with the Jared Krause stuff, man. <laughs> that guy holds a grudge like you, like nobody else. I mean, who was the guy who he thought was a great defender? Um uh, oh, Dan like, Marley. Dan Marley's like, yeah, he thought he was a great defender, and so that was enough for me. <laughs> I want to show him that he's it. not. I was just, I love that guy. I'm still really enjoying that, and you know, I'm going to try to get back on the hoop court, James, and hopefully when uh, the roto, you know, this clears and the roto hoops picks back up, um, I can get back on the on the hardwood. I know everybody's waiting in you anticipation been- of that. You been inspired with any uh, new moves you're looking to bust out up there? You know, watching Jordan, I I am inspired, but I can't pull any of those off at the same time. So um, I just need to, you know, I, I say like the basketball line, you know, I'm okay at, ba- at basketball as long as I don't have to run or jump or dribble or nothing. So when I have to get on the court, that's basically what I do is just shoot, stand still and shoot. Um, that's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty J though. Hey, thanks, dude. You got you got a nice J as well. You know, you get you, some sleeper jumpers at Rotowire. Some guys you would not expect. You know that silky jumper from, but they they got him. Nick Whalen's probably the best, but Alex Barutha too. I mean, I mean, maybe he actually takes the crown best hooper at Rotowire. Well, yeah, he can dunk, and he's got unlimited range. Um, when it, handles he, go to, I mean, Whalen by a mile though. Oh, Wayland's got the best handles for sure. Uh, easy, easy best handles there. Um, you yeah, might those have, you, are like seventy great handles just in in the entire you know universe. Like those are great handles. You've got the best uh, sweeping lefty floater. Uh, can't let you go left. Hey, I got the only sweeping lefty floater. Too. <laughs> uh, James, man, it's always fun and. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.